We are in June. June is not only the celebration of um, Be The Bridge anniversary, um, it's not only the celebration of my birthday, which is also a holiday. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Okay. And so I'm just finding out that it's our guest, our special guest birthday too. So we're going to get all into that. But it's also Juneteenth. Be The Bridge, Be The Bridge. You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Oh, wow. Be the Bridge community. I am so grateful to have this phenomenal woman um, here before you today. This is an honor and a privilege for you guys to get to hear from her and to hear her words. And we have none other than Dr. Claudia May, who is the professor and director of Reconciliation Studies program at Bethel University. Um, she is here with us today and she is going to talk about Juneteenth. And she's also going to talk about her award-winning book um, for children, When I Fly With Papa. You, let me tell you guys, it is beautiful. And I met Dr. May when I went to Minnesota um, to speak at Bethel Seminary. And I'm not letting her go. I know she thought that I was just going to meet her and that was going to be it. But um, no, she is like on that list. Um, let me tell you, I visited Bethel not long after my father passed. And this woman showered me with so much love and care um, while I was there. Uh, I know I've spoken in a lot of places and you guys have treated me well, um, but this woman loved on me like an auntie. And it's exactly what I needed in the time and the season that I needed it in. And so I am so glad to have her here. So welcome, Dr. May. It is an absolute privilege <laughs> to be here, Natasha Morrison. Absolute joy. I'm gobsmacked. I'm just, honestly, I'm just... And for those who are like, who is this black woman with a British accent? She's fake. And I'm like, nah, nah. This is very real. I was yes. born and raised in England of working class Jamaican parents. Mm. And I identify myself as black British. And Blacks have been in England for many decades, centuries. So we've got a long history. But uh, yeah, this is for real. Yeah. So I knew you guys were going to pick up on the British accent. And y'all, they were probably going to think you were Joe Saxton or something like that at first. That's right. That is exactly <laughs> But it. there are more. <laughs> there are more. Okay. So with uh, Black people with British accents. And so I'm um, so grateful. And she actually is in Minnesota where Joe and so many others um, are living. But I, um, I wanted to have you on here um, just to um, not only talk about Juneteenth, but before we get into to that you said that your birthday is this month yes 
You are a June baby too? I literally just celebrated it. When? What date? June 7th. Oh, and mine. Well, happy belated. Happy belated. Okay. And I know, and mine is the 23rd. Mine is Come the 23rd. And as my auntie used to say, I used to say the 23rd. The 23rd. I couldn't say three, so. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's so great. This is our birthday month. And, you know, Juneteenth, I did not want us to miss this. And I know last year we were in the midst of a, I guess, what we want to call a semi-racial awakening, because I wouldn't say it was a full necessarily racial, racial awakening, because um, awakening... Um, um, to me, this acknowledgement should bring about even more change. And so we want to see not just change of, of, I think change of mind and heart um, leads to change of systems. And so we need to see system change. And so um, I think it's a great start. Um, but, you know, then comes the pushback of everything to the gaslighting and the shifting of narratives, you know, that we see happening now. Um, but I, I, I do feel like this is a um, Kairos moment, that this is a, a Godwink moment and that many will miss it. You know, and um, and I think last year for some people, the first time that they ever heard about Juneteenth was um, because all a lot of this was happening in June. And, you know, a lot of black communities, especially in the Texas area, have celebrated Juneteenth. And so most people, even people who look like us, African-Americans, black Americans were awakened to, OK, what is Juneteenth again? You know, so I wanted to just remind you guys um, what Juneteenth is and why we celebrate it before we get into that. Um, so just imagine, you know, Abraham Lincoln um, signs the Emancipation um, Proclamation. He signs this in 1863, in January of 1863. And Texas was a new territory that was being um, um, developed and, you know, some of the crop was was cotton. Um, I think some of the crop was tobacco. Um, you know, um, it may have been a little um, sugarcane. I can't, I don't remember all the crops that was happening, but cattle ranching was another big thing that was happening, cattle ranching. And so um, a lot of those cattle ranchers, um, there were um, black people that were a part of that, cowboys, you know, that were a part of that. Um, that's where we get the history of the black cowboys which really started a lot of that tradition and so um, you know so Texas is kind of far from some of the other territories and um, the, the the history goes that either the 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 messenger was either murdered um, on the way or either um, they knew and decided to um, continue to enslave um, because of planting season and harvest season. Um, and so we, we, we don't know that history exactly why, but it wouldn't be for another two and a half years. So June of 1865. So that's why we say um, slavery as we knew it, enslavement ended in 1865 and not 1863 because all of us were not free. And until all of us are free, none of us are free. And so we have two and a half years. So I want you, I want to just set this up. So some of you think, I mean, not six months, 
not three months, but two and a half years. Imagine children were still continued to be born enslaved. People were continued to be sold. Uh, people were continued to be abused. Um, profit was still made in that two and a half years. Property was still stolen in that two and a half years. There's a lot that happened into that two and a half years. And so at the time where this message reached Gaveston, Texas in 1865, imagine, imagine the rejoicing that took place. So we call this our Independence Day. This is the day we celebrate because not only was July 4th, 1776, we were still oppressed. We were still enslaved. So we can connect to that as Americans and honor that. But our freedom didn't come in 1776. Our freedom came in many ways in 1865. And so... Um, we're going to just talk a little bit about the importance of it and why is it important to celebrate. And I want to, um, Dr. May, who, um, who is the director of reconciliation, um, studies, um, program at Bethel. And, uh, we'll talk a little bit about more of what she does, but I wanted her to maybe let's even do that. Let's talk a little bit about what you do. At, at Bethel and this program, and then you can go lead that into um, the importance of celebrating Juneteenth. In our uh, program, we have a number of courses that students take, the power of story and reconciliation. And they read a range of uh, people's works, Native American, African American, Asian American, European American, Latinx, and with that, they get this beautiful, nuanced interpretation of individual and community lives that, again, emphasizes to quote um, my one of my favorite writers, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, mm. who in her famous TED Talk talks about the, the danger of a single story. When I think about reconciliation, mm -hmm. I think about the importance of acknowledging what has happened. Mm the importance of confronting what has happened mm -hmm. and the importance of finding multiple ways to redress those iniquities, to mm -hmm. value the human dignity of all. Mm -hmm. I'm always reminded that uh, when somebody told their story to Jesus, mm -hmm. Jesus never said that didn't happen. I just want to put that out there. Mm. He didn't interrupt them when they spoke their truth. I find that interesting. Mm. And so that these sacred stories need to be heard and acknowledged is extremely important in the reconciliation healing process. Mm. There are many who want to bypass this and let's just get to solutions, as you know, Natasha. But I love the fact that Jesus was a poor Palestinian Jew, observant Jew. And as such, he observed holidays that were central to the Jewish tradition. Holidays that acknowledged injustices and violations of the people of Israel. 
And that in and of itself reminds us and gives us, if you like, opportunities to, again, take a time to stop and pause and acknowledge the sacred lives of those who have come before us. And I think with Juneteenth, we have to be very mindful that we do not pigeonhole the experiences of some to be representative of all. You know, you talk about even with those, if you, uh, those who heard about that they were free. When you read uh, the uh, interviews that were uh, conducted through the Works Progress Administration, the WPA, there are some incredible testimonies by various individuals who talk about everything from being elated, uh, dancing, there's weeping, there's actually also people perplexed, not knowing what this really means. I mean, this must have been a real shock to the system to be told that they were legally free. The other thing that I want us to think about is that freedom, and this is what Juneteenth, I think one of the many things that Juneteenth teaches us is that freedom should not be confined to a hallmark of a a legislative um, passing. So what do I mean by that? that there were there are many exa- examples of those who were enslaved, which is very important to say those were who were enslaved or lived through slavery or experienced slavery, but not to identify those who were labelled as chattel as slaves. Uh, it's important that we recognise their human dignity by not labelling them with identities, identities that were imposed upon them. But it's interesting that uh, as these, the various gamut range of different responses that, that emerged out of black communities in Texas and beyond in response to uh, Juneteenth, there were, before then, there were uh, slave owners, uh, terror mongers, uh, abusers of black people who actually moved to Texas so they could continue their atrocities, that they could continue to profit from free black labor. And so I think that that there's there's that, but there's also this um, understanding that whether it's through the Underground Railroad where blacks collaborated to secure their freedom, whether it's exercises like, um, sorry, I wouldn't call it exercises, practices such as what is often called hush harbors, sacred harbors or sacred arbor. This was a practice spearheaded by blacks who were enslaved who recognized the importance of affirming one another by creating gatherings so they could just be, so they could worship, they could testify, they could dance, they could sing, they could laugh. And they would 
organize and gather at night in wooded areas. And they would take pots and wet blankets and drape them over tree branches in order to absorb, if you like, the sounds that they would express so that slave owners and slave uh, um, abuse mongers, terror mongers would not catch on to what they were doing. These were multi-generational gatherings where people could preach and testify and be and moan and lament. And sometimes when you go to black churches and you see people fall out, they get caught by the Holy Spirit. That is a part of, I think, this sort of therapeutic expression uh, where you are basically allowing yourself to be fully alive to yourself in the context of community. I think it's a real, there's a real danger of saying that black people are purely resilient and always strong. Because what that does is that that says that, that, that gives us the sense that black people are innately, they, they can innately um, overcome anything. And no. Pain is pain. Pain is real. Uh, those hurts are real. And I think uh, as, as uh, the Hush Harbors gatherings that uh, those who were enslaved, spearheaded, took, um, took uh, a life of its own in the sense that it allowed space for blacks who were enslaved to affirm each other for their full and beautiful complex humanity. Mm. Mm. There is, um, I always find it extraordinary that those who were enslaved created the spirituals. Mm. If you want to talk about agency, mm. there were those who would say that if you're chattel and less than human, therefore, Basically, you're not fit for purpose than just to do what Massa or Missy tells you to do, or the overseer, or... And what the spirituals reminds us is that these were composers, creators, theologians, critical thinkers, who did their exegesis, did their hermeneutics mm. through the spirituals. Okay, and sometimes I wonder when you, you know, I said when people say you, I can't, you know, if the people who want black and say, well, we can't sing the spirituals because you know it's a black thing. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna play to you a, a, a choir from Korea. Sing these spirituals. Close your eyes, and I dare you to say that these are Koreans who are singing these spirituals. Did this? Did the composers, artists, geniuses? who created the spirituals, did they ever wonder that their songs would continue to bear fruit around the world? We need to acknowledge pain and injustice and redress, redress that, but we also need to embrace the truth that black, people's, black people are contributors. They are not, we should ought not to reduce them to the persona of being just conduits of pain. Mm. 
And I think there is a danger of limiting black people to this limiting identity that is often imposed upon them. You know, I talked about um, the Hush Harbors and Albert uh, J. Uh, Rabito, a quite genius uh, scholar, talks about the invisible institution in his book, Slave Religion, the invisible institution in the antebellum South. Mm. And, you know, it takes... It takes, it takes collaboration, it takes imagination, it takes curiosity, it takes agency to create a system without a system that is not seen. To, if you like, take advantage of those who do not think much of you to your own benefit. There's something genius about that. Mm -hmm. um, to me, there's something genius about the dozens right. where you can show your intellectual dexterity, mm. your artistry and your proficiency with being a wordsmith. Mm. Even Juneteenth is a form of creolization where a people could take this word and, take, and make it their own and mm. say, no, we're not going to wait for somebody to call it anything. We're going to call it Juneteenth. That, make, that makes sense to us through our vernacular, okay? So there's this uh, beautiful... Uh, beautiful examples. I, I think of uh, Reverend uh, Jack Yates, mm. a former slave who, along with members of the Antioch Baptist Church and Trinity Methodist Episcopal Church, confronted the racism of those who wanted to control the movements and gathering of black people in the 1800s, after Juneteenth, okay? Mm -hmm. After Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. What they did was, and this is what I love about, I have to say, that's why I love my, about my people now. I'm just yeah. going you. <laughs> you know, if you don't give some, us an award, we uh -huh. don't run and go, oh my God, we're not going to get an Oscar. We create our own awards <laughs> system, okay? It's like, we yeah. sure will. We, we celebrate sure. us. We celebrate us. We're like, you know what? Y'all just sit there. We'll, we'll just do what we need to do. Okay. Right. So, you know, Reverend Jack Yates and other members of these churches formed uh, the Colored People's Festival and Emancipation Park Association. And you know what they did? They raised money to buy their own land. Come on now. In Houston, Texas in 1872. So that they could gather and celebrate Juneteenth. This church is, this, sorry, this park is called Emancipation Park. And this space currently uh, has now earned heritage status. Um, but, and, and for decades, this park was, uh, because of segregation, was the only park in Texas, public park, that blacks could congregate. So whatever the fears are in trying to um, douse celebration, temper celebration, rein it in, water it down, ignore it, render it invisible, there are many, many examples of black people who said no. 
that could be costly for your life. But they still said no. No, we're, we're buying a park. Land to create a park so that our people can express their freedoms in ways that make sense to them. Mm. We need to hear that, those stories. I, I wanted to... Um, Ooh, you are, I tell you. <laughs> so good. I'm taking notes. I hope you guys that are listening that you are taking notes here. I'm taking notes even as I'm talking just so that I can remember and go back because there's so much we don't know. That's true. I mean, and, and it's amazing. Um, the, my, one of my favorite authors and one of the, I've had the privilege of meeting many authors uh, over the years. Toni Morrison was one of them. And I, I, I always tell the joke that when I, when I, I met, even though I met Toni Morrison many times, once I met her at this amazing conference in New York that basically had black authors from across the world, from Russia, Asia, England, it was everywhere. It was a who's who, okay? And then I get into the elevator and Toni Morrison's in there. And I just, I said to her, <laughs> um, I just started to cry. And I said, um, I really, uh, love your work. <laughs> and I said, and, and, and when I read The Bluest Eye, and I, I got to page 13, and the mother was rubbing Vicks into the daughter's chest. And then it said, it said and, and, then, and then you introduced the character's name, Claudia, and I dropped a book. <laughs> And that gave me context. And, and she just looked at me with such gentleness. And she said, it's basically, oh, it's okay. It's okay. But, you know, uh, she, uh, she, if you want to talk about black genius, mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, uh, black girl magic, Toni Morrison right there. Yeah, yeah. And she, she points out, when you talk about um, the ways in which Juneteenth embraces hope in liberation and the potential of black communities and individuals to live and thrive and to invent and to contribute to our world in the midst of adversity. She gives one of the one of the reasons why I think she says uh, why there's almost a resistance to embracing those narratives is that she says there's, quote, the hunger for other people's pain. And the other people's pain is very rooted in black pain. There's a hunger for it. It's almost this insatiable, bottomless appetite Mm. that wants to hear more about our pain than about our contributions. Mm. And it's a kind of over-fascination with pain that diminishes rather than upholds our sacred humanity. And you know, and then my 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 I, my go to one of my major go tos is James Baldwin, another genius. Mm. And one of the things he said, when he says, is, a baby does not come into the world merely to be the instrument of someone else's profit. Okay, let me just read that again because mm. when you don't know a genius here, you, you kind of kind of just soak in it, right? Okay. <laughs> Read it slow. We have to take our time with it. Let's take a deep breath, everybody. Okay? Because a genius is a coming. Yes. A black man, okay? A baby 
does not come into the world merely to be the instrument of someone else's profit. Mm. I want to consider that black children were considered during slavery, and some may even argue beyond that, as being conduits to sustain someone else's profit. Mm-hmm. There are ways in which our image, identities, contributions are appropriated and misappropriated for the benefit of a few, for a, the, the profit of a few. I just want you to think about that. And it's, uh, it's very fickle, this desire to possess our narratives, our histories in a way that doesn't honour us as contributors who can speak for ourselves. It, you know, it would never occur to me to think that I could speak on the behalf of Native American experiences or Indigenous people's experiences without even asking for their permission whether I could do so. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. and, and I think there's a, there's a sense of entitlement that many can feel that they have the right to take advantage of our lives for their own profit. Mm. That's, that's a hard thing to kind yeah. of come to terms with. But it's amazing how much our bodies still sell. Mm. You, know, you slap us on a book, uh, an image of us in a book, and people go, yippee-yay-yay. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But, and, and this is where I want to talk about in terms of children's books. Yeah. Is that, you know, in the Christian world, you have children's books who have black images of black girls, fewer black boys, but who are the authors? Mm-hmm. Who are the illustrators? Mm-hmm. Are we aware that many, um, uh, many who are writing children's books that place black children at the center of the stories may not get the same marketing advantages, publicity, as those who are not of that race of people that are being represented in these publications. It's something to think about, just how um, these images are appropriated um, in ways that I think speaks to what I call the hoarding of supremacist ideas and ways of being that doesn't invite room for others to share in that. Think about going back to Emancipation Park and how these people pulled their money together Mm. to create, to buy this land Mm. to have this park so others could celebrate Juneteenth. Think about what happened in Tulsa, Mm. Black Wall Street. And I've been really thinking about this. And I think, did, were there white business people who knew what was going on? Could they have said, okay, all right, either we're going to just let the authorities know who did this because you know people knew who did this, Right. But then say, okay, we're going to put our money where our mouth is and we're going to spend some money 
to rebuild, help rebuild, to give, to, to put, bring people to justice. And we're going to do a jubilee. <laughs> we're going to mm-hmm. help to be rebuilt, which frankly shouldn't have to be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do sacrificial giving that doesn't even put us in the frame of acknowledgement of what we did. Mm. We've got choices here. Yeah. We really do with what we do with our money, uh, who we support with our finances. So when I think about children's literature, I'm not saying that people from different races can't engage with various narratives. I'm just saying, let's create room for folk to be able to speak their truths on their own terms. I'm not saying you just need one black person to talk about one black child in a book. No. Mm Going back to Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, we need a variety of stories. Yes, yes. Speaking about a variety of experiences. Yes. That shows us that black people are not monolithic. Right. But we're complex human beings and multi-layered. We need to to see that. See that. See that. See that. Well, hello, Be The Bridge podcast listeners. Happy June. I am so excited, really honored to announce that June is my birthday. Just kidding, but it actually is my birthday. But there's something else that is special about June, and that is the Be The Bridge anniversary month. We've reached six years. Can you believe it? Six years of ministry. For the entire month of June, we are celebrating God's faithfulness to us over this time. I'm telling you, it has been a journey. It has been ups and downs, a lot of surprises and turns, but in the midst of it all, God has been so faithful to us. As we celebrate our anniversary month, I want you to know that we are in the midst of planning some exciting new courses that will launch in the fall. We're updating, we're continuously updating our curriculum, and we're creating opportunities for bridge builders to engage and grow at all levels. So I want you to stay tuned for some exciting things that are coming this fall in early 2023 from Be The Bridge. It's really going to help equip you to do this work of racial literacy so that we can all live in a reconciled world. That is something that I dream for. That is something that we want to see reimagined. And we can partner and do this together. Each person doing something equals something. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurring partner. Um, You can join the exclusive blueprint community at bethebridge.com forward slash give. Um, If you can't contribute on a reoccurring basis, we understand that things are tight. That's okay. Make a one-time gift and help us continue to produce the programming like our podcast. This work is only possible because of your generosity of bridge builders like you. So join us at bethebridge.com forward slash give and let's keep building bridges together and let's really commit to shifting perspective and reimagining our systems and changing the world. Okay, so um, some of the principles of, uh, for me of, of Juneteenth is, uh, I said before, acknowledging uh, the injustices that we have confronted and endured yes. 
and lived through, to learn about and celebrate the histories and contributions of black people and applaud our lives and gifts and achievements to quote uh, Lorraine Hansberry that we not only just young, but we're young, gifted and black. Mm. Um, that we have spearheaded contributions so and, and opportunities for others to flourish. So there is, in many Juneteenth uh, gatherings, you'll have people who will read poetry, mm-hmm. sing songs. There's going to be food thrown down, for sure, okay? Right. So <laughs> just go there hungry, okay? Right. Because it's going to be full, okay? Right. You've got people who will... Um, um, testify and when i think about hush harbors sacred arbors i think about how that in many ways the spirit of that lives on in juneteenth Mm. where people can fully be themselves Mm. and uh so the remembering acknowledging celebrating embracing black joy um in a way that is not demeaning Mm -hmm. right i mean Hopefully, we're doing this in a way that uplifts, yes, affirms, mm-hmm. even restores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, when I think about and and the arts are part of that, uh, so I think about hip hop and spoken word, mm. and. Um, I teach a hip hop and spoken word class and reconciliation. And that class for me is a phenomenal class because we get to read scholarly, both scholarly articles that talk about how hip hop has enabled people from the Middle East, Asia, Latin ex communities, Central America. African and Caribbean to find voice and truth through this form. And I often say to my students, y'all need to travel, especially my black students, y'all need to travel to see the impact you are having on world culture. Juneteenth acknowledges those kinds of contributions. And what I love about hip hop, and I I have to give a big up for, because DMX just passed. Mm. And one of the things... You know, DMX's life for me is one to celebrate and also to lament. There's mm. a tension, beautiful tension there for me. But one of one of you know the testimonies that were shared for me is just like for me the spirit of Juneteenth, mm. where people would say because he spoke his truth, especially around issues of mental illness and hardship, or many of his songs that also engage with biblical scripture and ideas. They said. I found hope in that. I saw myself in his songs. Mm. I felt seen and heard. Natasha, you know, when we see other black folk and you give the nod, Mm -hmm. that is saying, I see you. Mm -hmm. I see you. You're here. Mm -hmm. You have to think about where the roots of that come from. Our artistic expressions give multiple people's ways to access what their truth means to them. Mm. Uh, I think about black scientists Mm. like Otis Boykin, the 20th century engineer who invented electrical resistors used in 
computers, pacemakers, and missile guidance mm. technology. I think about I think about Samuel P. Massey, who was a 20th century chemist who contributed to the de- development of therapeutic drugs. I think about Alice Ball, who was born in 1892, who developed a treatment that became known as the Ball Method that was considered an effective treatment for leprosy in the early 20th century. I think about the blues. Now, let me tell you something. I love me some blues because... Yes. Okay? The blues are like folk... They they didn't do double consciousness now. The blues composers were like... Yeah. They didn't even think about white gays. They were like, okay, we, we're just going to do what we're going to do. Mm. I'm going to talk about loving my man, loving my woman. You know, even church folk didn't, some church folk didn't like the music, but it was like, we don't care. We have to speak what we want to speak on our terms. So I think about Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, Memphis Minnie, Robert Johnson, Blind Lemon Jefferson, B.B. King, and all these innovators, these pathway makers that didn't apologize for our existence, Mm. didn't try to do respectable politics. They flouted it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Take it our joy. And what I like about blues is they took their pain and we, you know, and, and then it's like layered with joy, you know? So it's like you feel both when you listen to the blues. It's like there's this this pain that you feel, this this suffering that you sense, but this joy that you experience. Yes, exactly. And and that is like, I mean, first of all, that's brilliance. Mm -hmm. It really is. But it's more than brilliance, it's survival. It is survival. And it's also thriving. Yes, yes. Because I think, you know, to thrive, you have to also acknowledge what you need. Mm. Mm. To thrive, you have to acknowledge that you have desires. Mm. And so I think to, to thrive, that means that you don't diminish yourself in order to contort yourself to fit to somebody else's agenda of what you should become. Mm. That's the kind of freedom that blues, I think, gives folk. Mm. And then I think about the photographer Gordon Parks. And I've got one of his, he's got many amazing photos, but there's a 1963 photo entitled Boy with a June Bug. And it captures this black boy lying on the ground, cushioned by grass. And he ties a string to a June Bug who is walking along his forehead. And the boy closes his eyes, he is relaxed. He is not afraid. He is at one with nature. That is something to celebrate. Mm. Gordon Parks had this way of using the camera to capture the human dignity of black people. We must see the images of black people being lynched. Mm. We must see the images of black people who were burned alive by those who left their church service to have a picnic to see a lynching. That's real. That's very real. But we also must see the pictures of the boy with the June bug. We also must see and hear stories and poetry by people like Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Maya Angelou, June Jordan, 
Wendlin Brooks, Denise Smith, Sonia Sanchez, Nikki Finney, Lucille Clifton, and Langston Hughes, who give us this range of poetic voices for us to embrace, to sit, to ponder, to engage with, to be perplexed by. I want to read to you Langston Hughes' poem entitled Freedom. Yes. Freedom will not come today this year, nor ever, through compromise and fear. I have as much right as the other fellow has to stand on my two feet to own the land. I tire so of hearing people say, let things take their course. Tomorrow is another day. I do not need my freedom when I'm dead. I cannot live on tomorrow's bread. Freedom is a strong seed planted in a great need. I live here too. I want my freedom just as you. Mm. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. And that is called Freedom by Langston Hughes. By Langston Hughes. Part of the Harlem Renaissance. Come on down. That continues to keep on giving Mm -hmm. and giving. These are the seeds of fruit, if you like, that we continue to learn from our ancestors, which is, again, what Juneteenth reminds us, that we are interconnected Mm. and that those in the past can contribute to our present We don't have to be confined to our ancestors, but our ancestors, the cloud of witnesses, shape us. They can inform how we engage with the injustices that we encounter. Um, And we can use various forms to do that. I must actually pick up Lecrae as one of the examples. Yeah. (laughs) Because Lecrae, I teach Lecrae a lot in my classes. Mm -hmm. His books, uh, Unashamed and I'm Restored, are just stunning. And Mm. one of the things I'm reminded with Lecrae is the importance of us as Christians to keep it real. Mm. But we can be punished for doing so. We can be punished for changing our mind, Mm. for changing our course of what we think. Mm -hmm. And there are those who want to pigeonhole us into a sort of a prototype of a good Christian. And I, I actually was convicted. This is a public apology to Lecrae. Um, I remember, I met Lecrae once and, you know, and I bigged him up, which I was happy to do. And that was genuine. But after reading his books, I realised, was he, did I allow him to be fully human? Mm. In a sense of, to be able to share, I'm having a bad day. I'm struggling with this issue. And I have learned since then to stop saying to people, man of God, woman of God. Because when we do so, what we do is we can invite a way of limiting their human capacity to be fully themselves, Mm. at least from the perspective of how we treat them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we put folk on a pedestal 
Yeah, got we it. don't allow them to be fully human, mm-hmm. even if they are. And so I, I, this allows me to kind of move into my children's book. Yeah, yeah. Let's, this is good, though. This is good. Go ahead. I want to hear, you can share some stories um, around when I fly with Papa. And you're connected at all. So this is good. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, the idea that we can experience emotional freedom with God mm-hmm. and have a black girl be at the center of a narrative that shows us how that can be done mm-hmm. is really important to this book. Mm. Um, it it says that Winnie, and that's her name, and her toy bear, 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 yes, an original name, um, can teach us how we can relate to God. Mm. Winnie does not have to smile when she mm. relates to God. She can actually be angry with God, which is, for me, drawing from the book of Job. Mm where I love when Job says, you know, when his friends are like advising him about his life and stuff, he's like, you mm-hmm. know what, y'all just be quiet. Uh, okay, I'm paraphrasing here because yeah. <laughs> Dr. May's version. Go this ahead. Is, yeah, this is my translation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he was like, you know, um, actually, um, I'm going to argue with God. I love that. Argue yeah. with God. He had the audacity to say that out loud and do it. Mm. Yeah. And and Winnie does that. She plays with God. She I wanna throw this with even with Juneteenth. I yeah. thought when I think about how would Winnie respond to Juneteenth with God? She would say, Come on, Papa. She calls God Papa. Come on, Papa. Let's do uh the Soul Train dance together. Yes. Let's mm. eat let's have barbecue together. Let's mm-hmm. sing, lift every voice and sing. She wouldn't disassociate herself from God. She wouldn't invite God in to those various experiences. Winnie does not cultivate a performance-based relationship with God, Hmm. but a a relationship that is mutually honoring and collaborative. Mm -hmm. It's not a top-down relationship. She can be fully herself with Papa. She can be sad. She can be angry, and I think it's important that black girls and boys are allowed to be angry, mm-hmm. to be able to say, um, I'm not happy today, because there's reasons for the anger. Yes. So, you know, and this God that she encounters, you don't see God physically. You may see wisps on the page, but that allows children to have an open um idea of how to relate to God. We sometimes spoil God for children by saying, you've got to see God in this way. If you recite all these scriptures, then you'll get close to God. I'm not against memorizing scripture now, but I'm just saying if that becomes a primary way of you connecting with God, you may be losing, you may be limiting your children's understanding Mm. of how to experience God in multiple ways. Yeah. Now my book. Ah, so good. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to I don't know if you do you have your a copy of it right there? I do. You? Oh yeah. And so this page right here. Can you read this this page? <laughs> I know. I want you to read this page because what you just said, if we're not teaching our kids to connect with God in other ways other than scripture, you know, um, 
also through prayer. Like, and I, and I love that, that I think that page like kind of paints a picture of that. And um, I just want to hear you read it okay. and the beauty of your words. And so yeah. for those of you, if you hear just the depth of um, Dr. May's um knowledge. Um, it's because she's a specialist in African-American, Caribbean, and U.S. ethnic literature. And so all of this is you, your your knowledge of Lecrae. And when you hit DMX, I thought you were about to throw a line of DMX. And I was like, I was waiting for it. And and I, <laughs> oh, I, I was, was like, there. I yeah, was like, yeah, I was like, well, you know, because I, I, I remember DMX talking about trust. And one of the <laughs> things he talked about, he said, he said, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't waste my energy in distrust and not trusting people. He said, you know, I, I, he said, the thing about trust is you, you have to trust that a liar is going to lie. You have to trust that a, um, a thief is going to steal. You have to trust that a murder is going to kill, you know, and, and just the way he put that. And he was like, because I can't, I can't be burdened by, you know, um, by by mistrust because mm-hmm. it takes too much energy. So I'm gonna trust you to be who you are. It was just like I'm like that's a whole nother level. Like oh. who? That's a genius level. Yeah, like what in the write, world? Like somebody needs to write a dissertation on DMX. <laughs> I've only said that to my students. But if anybody writes a PhD dissertation on him, give me some credit, okay? Yeah. You know, that, you know, that was Dr. May's idea because he, he was crazy stuff. But DMX. I mean, I've got this song in my head. I mean, who we be? is a genius song and it's just like he he, i mean he just he just drives her home you know various identities i'm like oh my god the man was something else yes yes i love that i know i know i was waiting i was waiting i was like oh she brought the drops of gm dmx lies (laughs) this is gonna take everybody out i love it (laughs) but um uh, you know, I yeah, I read this, but oh, there's so much to share. I know we we have to do this again because there's just so much. You guys see, like there's just so much information that you have and that you embody, and just how you bring literature to life, the different forms of literature to life, and um, your book "When I Fly with Papa" is so beautiful, and it's definitely something I recommend um, for you guys to purchase, um, not just for your children but for yourself like this is um a beautiful book for yourself to remind you of just the intangible things you know that we experience with god um and and just a way to be present with God and everything, you know, and I and I think that's what I re- it's like it's like practicing the presence of God in everything we do and that's say exactly. and who we be and I and and um and how we and how we are being in, in that. And so um, just, re- just read a little bit. Just give them a little taste. Just give I them will, a little I taste. Guess, but before I say that, I have to be very clear. You can purchase my book from theclaudiamay.com. Yes, okay. and we will we will put all of that in the transcript and we'll put all that in the um and the um on the information so that people know where to purchase it. Okay. okay. Um <laughs> And um, and before I read your favorite part, I do want to just share a few stories. I got a little bit of my time, so I'm just okay. Go ahead, go ahead. You're good. Of the reception to this book, mm. foster children who were 
taken out of their home because their mother couldn't afford affordable housing for them, mm. were staying at this foster home. And my friend gave the foster parent a copy of my book. And these children wanted this book to be read to them several times a day. What that conveyed is that they found comfort in the God who could be present with them in the midst of adversity. Um, an adult customer who bought it for his, her deceased father because she called him Papa. A grandparent who reads to her grandchild and when the wind is described, she brushes her skin with the back of her hand gently. And that tenderness, that loving touch is a reminder that God wants to be close to us. A Muslim woman who asks, can my children access this book? And I said, absolutely. Reading groups who are reading this as part of an understanding that they can, how they can engage with God in ways that doesn't limit them. Uh, somebody who said that they, uh, they they can't rock with Bible right now, but for some reason, Winnie was part of their devotional. A woman who left the church and Christianity to explore other religion and belief systems, but was captivated by Winnie, who shows that she shows her various emotions with God and said, if she had had this book as a child, she would have had a more honest relationship with God. We're reminded not to shut each other down when we have our questions, our doubts, our fears when we relate to God. So let me read uh, the section that you want to be to read, okay? If, if that's the section that yeah. you want to read. I will, I, I, I will I'll read this one and I'll read a, a last one, okay? So okay. this is the first one. When I fly with Papa, we prance and dance. The breeze tickles our skin. Our shrieks skip across the sky. Laughter beats in my heart. Sometimes Papa and I create sandcastles out of clouds. Sometimes we somersault over a rainbow. Sometimes I hang onto his neck as we soar above the sea. And I want to read a time when Winnie is sad. Papa snuggles close to my worries, then rocks them in his arms when I cry. Papa cradles my tears. And as his tears join mine, he tames the storms in my mind with a And in my time, I look into Papa's eyes. Papa looks at me soon, soon in the hush of calm. My heart beats slow. Ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. 
Silence sleeps on my tongue. Peace smiles. I am home. Wow. That, first of all, I hope you're developing another series. I hope that it's also going to be on Audible where you're reading this series. Like, this is so beautiful. Um, How are you developing um, When I Fly With Papa series? So, um, a Spanish translation is in the works. Okay. I'm really excited. And that is due to come out at the end of the year. A new... uh, uh, book as part of the series will come out next year which will be called When I Garden with Papa Mm. and it really speaks to again something that is black folk we have connections with the land but oftentimes that's not acknowledged and celebrated and this is workhorses of the land so to speak right but people who are nurturers of the land yes cultivators of the land respecters of the land and that is something that Winnie will show us in her connection with Papa. But there'll also be some other parts of the series where we'll deal with hard stuff. Yeah. And that's going to be important. But I do think that we need to find, create books that allow our children to see themselves and their concerns in a way that doesn't tra- re-traumatize them mm. or affirms their experiences. So yeah. all of this will be on my website, The Claudia Made a Comment. There's a cute video of the book um, that uh, I think y'all would like. Wow, that's great. So we need to go to theclaudiamay.com and you can check out all the things about when when um, when I fly with Papa um, and also find out more information about Dr. Claudia May. And I mean, this has went by so fast. Like how this is, we could have talked for, for another hour. Oh, I mean, there's just so much. But thank you for giving us a, a deeper um, um, view into Juneteenth and its connection to our history and to us as people. And now, if someone, um, a, if a white person, an Asian person, you know, Latinx person is listening um, to this, uh, um, someone other than a black person. Um, How would you say that they can celebrate um, Juneteenth with us? Because, you know, we are very inclusive in our celebrations, you know, Um, you know, Uh, we we don't we don't want you to take over. No, no, we don't want you to take over. Uh, But but we love to be with and and have people join with and this shared community event. And so I know those are happening in communities all around us. How would you suggest that um, someone of a different ethnic background, um, of a different race, um, to join in in the Juneteenth celebration? Well, luckily, you know, um, across, across many states now around the country, there are uh, celebrations in public parks, uh, mm-hmm. churches. So I would literally just Google and see what Juneteenth celebrations are out there. Um, because uh, you'll find a rich resource there. And uh, you go in there respectfully, you know, but also uh, if you're a prayerful person, uh, you know, um, learn from Winnie. Bring God, yes. Jesus, Holy Spirit with you. Yeah. Be part of the celebration, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and be present and uh, help to rejoice in the sacred, precious lives mm-hmm. uh, of black people. 
look to libraries as well um, and community centres for uh, books uh, that explore the lives of um, um, African Americans. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that you can also um, pass on. And then the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture has a wonderful resource of different ways that you can celebrate Juneteenth, not only in community centers, but in your home, in your neighborhoods. So there are all kinds of ways I think that Juneteenth can be acknowledged. We're not celebrating slavery. Right. We are acknowledging the sacred lives of those who lived through slavery. Yeah, say that again so people understand that, you know, Juneteenth is not a celebration no, we're not celebrating slavery in by, yeah. by any way. Like, by hopefully, anyway. nobody got that. Yeah, no, you know. we're not. We're not. We're not celebrating terror, abuse, um, violation of of the human holistic self. We're not celebrating that. We are acknowledging that it happened. We right. are acknowledging that those injustices continue. Uh, but we're also taking the time to breathe and rejoice in the ways in which Black people will continue to be contributors to our societies and our world at large. We celebrate their human, precious, sacred presence. Yeah. Amen. You know, and I, you know what, and I, we, we never close out a, um, out a podcast and prayer, but I, I told you to go with the flow with me yeah, today. Absolutely. And so I would you, you know, there's a lot happening, uh, you know, with our community that's listening um, to this podcast. Some of them are encouraged. Some of them are discouraged. Some of them um, are experiencing uh, a disconnect from family because of um their belief system and and how they've um, reconstructed and because they've changed their mind um, yeah. about things. Um, some of them feel outcast. Some yeah. of them have been cut off from parents. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are losing their parents to information. Um, some of our community of people of color are, are um, just feeling exhausted, um, yeah. you know, and 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 still feeling unseen and unheard. Mm -hmm. um, can you just close us out in, in prayer um, as we look to um, celebrate um, Black achievement and survival and excellence mm -hmm. um, on Juneteenth? Okay. I'm glad to. Oh, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Divine One, Holy Trinity. We thank you that you can be ever present to us in ways that we don't always fully understand, but that you are ever ready to listen to nurture, to care for, to guide, to be present, to allow us to feel what we feel, what we feel. 
Thank you for creating space so we can just be. Thank you that there is just there is not one way of relating to you, of being with you. God, there are many that are hurting. There are many who do not know what to do. There are many who are angry. There are many who are weary. There are many who refuse to succumb to despair. And yet there are those of us that lament. Help us in the midst of those various emotions to learn from you and others of how we can live in the liberating love you created for us. Help us to experience freedom in being loved by you, nurtured by you, honored by you. We need you. We need each other. Help us to know how to live through our pain so we can be fully present to the ways in which healing can bring new life to any facet of our lives as a community. We give all of the joys and the sorrows and the love to you in honor of you. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure um, to have you and to introduce you to the Be The Bridge community. And um, thank you for all the work that you're doing in the space of reconciliation and so much more. So um, thank you so much for gracing us with your words and your wisdom um, today. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.